Bibles, if you would, and go to Genesis 3. Genesis chapter 3. So two years ago today, from this very moment, probably would have, we were probably eating pizza, but uh, two years ago today, my wife and I and all that helped us uh, pulled in with the truck and unloaded the truck today. So today was, two years ago today was our first night sleeping up at this uh, uh, address here, and it's been a quick two years. Can't believe it's already been two years. And in two years, now we went from one kid to three years. We tripled our kids in two years. So talking to my wife, I don't know if we could triple our kids in two years from now, um, but uh, it's, been, it's been a joy. And uh, not, just, not just saying this, but from the bottom of my heart, we are very thankful to be a part of here and love each and every one of you. And I, uh, don't take for granted what you have. Um, coming from a little bit of a not-so-nice situation, um, I think it's just because we try not to have you guys know too much about us. Um, is it's just nice to feel loved and nice to be a part of a family that uh, loves you. And uh, so all that to say, thank you for putting up with us for two years. Uh, can't wait to see uh, what the Lord has in store for the future. So Genesis 3, you're there. Uh, if you're not there yet, it's the first book in the Bible, uh, not where your name is written, but a little past that. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, and we'll read the first couple of verses here, and then we'll get into the... Uh, Message. You know, I'm not going to read that yet because I'm, I'm, I'm already getting ahead of myself. But um, tonight's message I'm going to preach is uh, three F's every Christian should have on their report cards. Three F's that every Christian should have on their report cards. And I remember um, when I was in grade school, I was uh, from kindergarten to sixth grade, I went to a Christian school. And then seventh to twelfth grade, uh, I was Christian homeschooled. So I'm only half weird, okay? I'm only half dumb. And I'm um, blonde, though, so I'm a quarter dumb. And uh, do you know what a quarter dumb blonde person is? They're gifted, very gifted. So I counted myself blessed that I'm only a quarter dumb. Guys, these are the jokes. you got to laugh at these jokes, okay? So, <laughs> man, are we awake tonight? How many, how many of that hour of uh, less of sleep on Sunday actually messed you up? Anybody? I feel like, uh, I think it was, it was, I was fine Sunday, but um, the other night, um, one of our kids decided to party all night, so that was interesting. Um, and I tried to lay as still as possible so my wife didn't know I was awake, but uh, I was, don't tell her I said that. Uh, we'll edit that part out, uh, Dustin. But uh, three Fs that every Christian should have on their report card. First F that we should have on our report card is fear. And uh, in verse number three in Genesis chapter three, um, Eve says, you know, God said, you should not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Sin deceives, sin deceives. And we see in verse one here, the serpent, he asks a question and he pretty much brings her attention and he says, you know, God, you know, God has said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Starting to make her think about this. So you know this, but God says you can eat of every tree except for one. But the devil comes and says, you can't eat of every tree in the garden. He starts to make you focus on that one thing you can't have rather than realizing all the things that you do have. That's exactly what the devil does. The devil cannot create anything. He can only pervert things. He can only twist things. And that's what he's doing here. He's deceiving the woman. And you know the rest of the story. Not only does sin deceive, but sin defiles. And you, just, you could just look at the testimony of um, those that maybe don't live, uh, we'll just say physically. Uh, maybe they don't partake, they don't, uh, be a little blunt with you, but maybe they drink, uh, maybe they smoke, but you look, and they do drugs. You start to see these people, and I remember seeing just some people out in California as I was soul winning and talking to some people, getting to know some people. 
And again, how do you expect a non-believer to live, okay? So I'm not casting judgment on them. I started talking to them, and I realized that they're not that much older than me, but they look like they could be 20 years older than me. And it's because that's what sin does to you. It just defiles you. It destroys you. It deceives. It defiles. It destroys you. And I read this quote. I forget what pastor said, but he said, we would, better, we would be better off reaching our hand into a den of rattlesnakes rather than playing with sin. And uh, he said, that's a little extreme, but you think about that and, and how, how we look at sin, we should fear it. it. We would be better off being bit by a rattlesnake than playing around with sin. You've heard it before. Sin takes you where you don't want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and sin will always cost you more than you want to pay. first F that we should have in our report card is fear. How do you look at sin? Are you fearful of sin, do you, or do you just kind of have a nonchalant attitude towards it and we don't care really about what you get involved with. Romans 6, beginning in verse number one, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we shall not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no dominion, over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Caleb, what in the world does all that mean? Well, many of you probably have already read this several times and understand what it means, but for those that need a little bit of review, pretty much just saying, hey, if we are, if we're in Christ, we don't have, we don't have the power, we don't have the sin, doesn't have the power over us. See, God has broken sin's power to control me, and I need to find, and I need to, I need to, to yield to him. The Bible says that we need to yield to him so that we don't yield to the sins of the flesh. And real quick here, and I'm almost done with this point, but uh, while you're turning here, go, if you could, go over to Genesis 39. We're gonna read several verses in here off and on. Genesis 39, back to the beginning of the book, uh, the Bible, Genesis 39. Now, I know that God has broken since power to control me, but here's some ways that I can protect myself from displeasing my Savior. And we're gonna read some verses here. Genesis 39, beginning in verse number eight. Uh, I'll begin reading here. Genesis 39, Verse 8 says, But he refused and said unto his master's wife, this is Joseph, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in the house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? One of the steps that I can do with fearing sin, step number one would be refuse. Joseph here, you know the story, he refused. And you think about how, and he, and he, when he says there's none greater in the house than I, he's not saying I'm just big, bad, great guy. He's pretty much saying that 
you know, I'm, I got a lot of responsibilities here. And um, here he says, he refused. Easier said than done, I know. But when we, we had the attitude towards sin, that when sin, when a temptation or an opportunity to sin comes in our life, all we have to say is no. If you think about that, just say no. And very simple. But how many times do I, before I have the opportunity to even say no, I lose my temper, maybe say something I shouldn't say, maybe have a thought that I shouldn't have, maybe have a wrong attitude that I shouldn't have, but I just give in to it right away, and I forget to say, Lord, I refuse this. I just say no. Help me with this. Next, not only did he say no, but he understood that others were depending on him. He said that I, there's none in the greater uh, in the house than I. He knew that the, he had so many responsibilities that he needed to have more spiritual responsibilities about himself. He needed to set higher standards. You see, because he understood that his sin not only affects him, but those around him. And he, my favorite part of this is verse 9, and we've, if you've probably put this to memory for sure, but his main reason why he didn't want to sin, the reason why he refused is because he didn't, and we see it in verse 9, he didn't want to displease his God. And if we look at sin every time, and we look at how nasty it is, and what the, what the end result of sin is, and sin brings death, maybe um, that could be an F that we can have on a report card, the fear, fear sin, fearful of what it's gonna do to us, fearful of what it's gonna do with those around us, fearful of those that we'll take down with us. I don't know about you, but a lot of times in my Christian life, I have had a, maybe a pastor that I've looked up to or a, a strong mentor who has fallen, okay? And it's not my responsibility to cast stones at them, and I need to, and I need to pray for them, but I can't tell you how much that it's affected me. When a close friend of mine or someone that I really look up to falls, it just, it almost makes you think, well, if, if they're, you know, if that, if that happens to them, what's gonna happen to me? And, and then you gotta check yourself, say, am I following man or am I following God? But his main reason is he didn't want to displease God, but he also thought about those around him. One of the greatest motivations to do right should be the des desire to please your God. Not only should we refuse it, step two, verse number 11 says in Genesis 39, verse 11, and it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me, and he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, uh, step number two, run, run. Now, I'm not saying that's okay. We're in the workplace or we're in school and something is taking place, a conversation that we can't avoid. I'm not saying it would be how foolish of me to, if I'm doing my job, someone starts talking about something and I just take off running, okay? Uh, but what I'm saying is mentally, spiritually, we need to run away from those things. Sometimes those things come to our, someone, a conversation comes up at work and it's like, man, I really don't want to be hearing this. Uh, I'm working with this person and, uh, and if, I can, if, I can, if they're talking to me, I can you know, hopefully nicely say to them, hey, could you please stop talking about that? that, that I really don't want to talk about that. That offends me. But a lot of times it's funny how, oh, I know I could talk to this person and then it's like a triangle conversation. It's like these two people are talking about something but I feel like they're pointing it towards me wanting to know what I'm going to say. And uh, normally I'm like, oh, man, I just... I don't even want to talk to anybody. I just want to do my job. Uh, but then I often, I, it's funny. I don't know about you. Those that work in a, a non-Christian like, workplace, which is most of us, I guess, it's funny the questions they come up with. And uh, some of the questions, it's like, man, I never even thought about that. Uh, but I got to think about that. And then, but all that I'm saying is when Joseph realized what Potter's wife was trying to do, he got out of there. Romans 13, 14 says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. This is telling us that we need to take ourselves out of a place, out of a position where we would be tempted. Make non-provision for the flesh. I've used this example over and over again, so sorry to use it again, but 
For me, I made a decision on August 28, 2009 that I would never drink another Mountain Dew. Now, when I got home after making that decision, I was actually uh, in Arkansas and I played basketball that day and I collapsed on the court. And I could, they had to literally drag me off the court. I looked like a crumpled up spider, like if you just splash water on it and just all the legs crumple. I had all every muscle in me was tensing up because I had, oh, I, I wanna say, I had, a, I had a, a, a bottle that was 32 ounces and I drank two of those of Mountain Dew and I'm sure I had more. So I had at least 64 ounces of Mountain Dew in me when I went out to play basketball. Bad idea. And um, so I made the decision. So when I got home from that trip, you know what I did? I didn't say, well, there's all this Mountain Dew in my house. I might as well just drink the rest of it. I said, get it out of here. I said, I don't want it in here. I had to remove it out of my life. And uh, just like I had to remove all those from my life, I had to start avoiding some things. I love, to this day, I still love Mexican food, but for me, what always topped it off was just having a nice Mountain Dew with my Mexican food. Well, then I had to just say, for a while, I had to avoid Mexican food because I always wanted a Mountain Dew. Kayla, what is this crazy illustration? Hey, everybody has a besetting sin in their life, something that you constantly go back to, something that you constantly revisit, and you gotta, you gotta remove those things. Now, I'll take it, I'll take it a, I hope the sound's not in the nursery right now, but anyways, my wife's now paying attention if she is. Um, but when we were dating, I hated the rule that we could not be alone. But I, I, I knew the reason why we could not be alone, because you know what? It was easier to hold hands when we were alone. And uh, that was the reason why we could never be alone. And finally, I remember when we got married, and I looked back in the back seat, and nobody was there. I was like, man, I feel like I'm sinning. I, don't know, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. But what I'm saying is my, my, my father-in-law knew, don't put Caleb in a place of temptation. And that's exactly what I'm talking about tonight. You know where it is in your life where you have, let's say, let's say I'll take it another, another step. I feel like I'm still, maybe I'm just hitting this too hard, but let's say you have a spending problem. For me, the worst thing that ever happened to me is we got a credit card because I didn't realize the interest on that. So eventually I decided I'm gonna pay all this off and I'm cutting up my credit card. So praise the Lord, I, I think I have a credit card right now, but it's only for emergency, but I hit it and I don't know where it's at, so if you find it, feel free to use it. Um, no, I'm just kidding, don't do that. But I had, I had to stop using that. And I had to avoid, avoid the temptation. I had to remove it out of my life. Hey, just like Joseph did, we too must run from places and situations of temptations. Refuse, run. Next, uh, look at verse 20, Genesis 39. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison commit, committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there. He was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Again, you know the story, but even though Joseph did right, he finds himself in prison. Not only should we refuse, run, Number three, under um, fearing sin, we need to rest. Even when doing right, we find difficulty. And we just need to just take a step back and we need to just rest in the Lord. Uh, Joseph found himself in prison from doing what was right, but we can see later in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 40, God rewards those that are faithful to him. And so maybe sometimes in your life that you, you do all these steps and then you get to the point where you find yourself in a difficult spot even though you did what was right. Maybe you got a C on your report card because you were honest, unlike your sisters. I'm just kidding. But we got to do right even when it's not easy. Um, I'll, I'll just, personal testimony, that sometimes when people have, um, whether it's a spiritual conversation or they have a question and it's like, 
they, they start to almost make it sound like, and I, and I gotta be careful I say this, they make it sound like they want, they want the easy Christian life. And I, and I, and I say to them, I say, like, Christian life is easy. It just comes with some tough, time, some tough things. It's, uh, I, I know that when I go through a, tr- a tough time, I know who's on my side. I know when I lo- lose a loved one, I know that I'm gonna see them again if they put their trust in Jesus Christ. I have hope, we have hope. But sometimes they have some conversations where they just make it sound like, you know, yeah, you know, if I go to church a couple times, and, and I don't, sometimes I find myself like, well, that's good, good for you. And I don't want to convict, uh, convict them, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but sometimes I want to be like, well, why, why do you only go to church, you know, once or twice a year? Why don't you, why don't you read the Bible? Why, why do you feel like you don't have to learn all these things? Or uh, I start to find myself almost not wanting to, you know, to be a good testimony. And I don't want them to, to, to and again, this would be great if I did this, but I, I, I don't. Maybe I should. But if I was to pull my Bible out at 4 o'clock, in the, or three, if I got there early at 3.45 and I pulled my Bible out and I read there, that would be a great testimony. But if I'm just doing it, okay, doing it just to get their attention, to just, you know, and make them back off or whatever, that's the wrong, that's the wrong attention. But we, we've got to do what's right, even when it's not easy. So we got, we got fear, okay? Sorry, I spent a little too much time on that one. Number two, the next F that we should have in our report card. Maybe you've already guessed it. Faith. And this is how every Christian should handle trials. And um, I, think it, I think Daniel kind of said something a little bit tonight about when he was praying about how the things that we, thank you for these things that bring us closer to you. And that's how we should look at our trials. Romans eight twenty eight, and you know the verse, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I tell the teenagers all the time. Very easy verse to quote at other people when they're going through a tough time. Very, very different story when you have to quote it at yourself. Um, when, when you're going through a tough time. Um, trials, they happen so that we can learn to trust God. You know this. Trials happen so that our faith will grow stronger. Trials happen so that God gets the glory. Trials are inevitable. Trials are necessary in our life. Trials are productive. Don't forget, trials are crafted by God. And trials transform us, good or bad. I'll use the illustration. Um, it was funny, just... Just before we came down here, my daughters did this again. She said, why? And I, when she said it, says, you know why? I said, because I'm going to use you for an illustration tonight. And uh, she just, this week, I'm not kidding, she's hit it full force every five seconds. Why? 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 And I finally have found myself with after about the 20th why, because I said so. And then I felt like an angel got its wings or something, because I've been waiting all my life to say that, because that's what my parents said to me. But I said, because I said so. You know what? When we go through a trial, instead of asking God, why? Why? I wish my daughter would do this. What are you trying to teach me, Dad? What are you you trying to to have me learn? We need to ask God when we're going through something. Instead of having a why, it's okay okay to ask why. But we need to realize, what what are you trying to teach me, Lord? What are are you trying to bring me through? And I was just telling the teenager just a couple weeks ago, we were going through the fruits of the Spirit, and we went through joy, and how we're supposed to have joy when we go through our trials. And I told him, I says, I, when something major happens in my life that just really tries my faith, it's not my first reaction to go, yay, I can't wait to see what God's gonna do with this. Uh, although that should be in my attitude, it's not my attitude. Um, l- normally after about 30 minutes of complaining to him, I finally said, well, God, I can't wait to see what you're gonna do with this because I'm gonna make a mess of it if I try to fix this myself. But trials are to transform us, good or bad. Don't allow your trials in your life to make you become angry, bitter, or harden. Allow them to grow you closer to God and strengthen your faith. And I, and I will say this, maybe you've already gone through something like this, maybe you haven't, but you will sometime. Somebody is gonna disappoint you. Somebody's gonna make you, make, something's gonna happen in your life where you're just not gonna understand why you had to go through something. 
and you're gonna, and you're gonna ask yourself why. You have the opportunity to become bitter, or you have the opportunity to become better because of it. And um, I, speaking from experience, there's been some times that I've come through something upset, not understanding, and finally I fall flat on my face and I realize why God brought me through something. So much better to humble ourselves before God humbles us. Although the trials are inevitable, the way we respond to them is left up to us. Remember, God is in control. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And you know what? What a great memory verse to put, put to memorization. And um, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And I, I think about that um, from time to time. What if someone was to come in and rip the Bible out of our hands and um, we would no longer see the Bible? How much of it will we have still in our hearts? And uh, just reading this verse, I don't have it uh, to memorization, but as I'm reading this, it's how many times can I face up in my life and quote this verse and how that would help me. Remember, God is always with us, and I do this all the time. But I'll pray, and I'll say, God, be with so-and-so, or God, be with... But then I forget the promise. And again, don't, if you pray like that, don't criticize yourself and preach, uh, you're praying. But God says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so I think God probably just understands what I say. But when I say, God, be with me, he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake I don't have to pray that, but I know, I know he understands what I mean. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, Hebrews 13, 5. Not only should we have fear, we should have faith. And I'm almost done here. Lastly, number three, another F on our report card that every Christian should have, forgiveness. And this is how every Christian should handle people. Have you ever met someone that's just, uh, that you just really, they do some things that just really irritate you? Maybe if you don't say yes, maybe you're the person. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say you're the person. But, but there's some people that just sometimes they're never wrong. And, uh, or they, and, but you know what? There, I, I can honestly say in my life that there's been some people that just, after many years, and that's, that's not an exaggeration, I finally just said, you know what? I forgive them. They're never going to say sorry, so I'm just going to forgive them because they probably don't even know they're doing something to offend me. And don't worry, it's, it's nobody, nobody in this church, okay? Don't, don't start making a list of who you think it is. But we've all been wronged. We've all been betrayed. We've all been taken advantage of at least a time or two. Maybe we have some memories of some painful experiences that we've gone through um, with a, another person that still bother us today. Whether we've been hurt by a family member, a friend, a coworker, a boss, or a spouse, it's time to forgive and let it go. Unforgiveness has the power to keep us from moving forward while the person we are angry with has already probably moved, moved on with their life. While they're free, we're held captive uh, by, the, by the emotions and the, and the bitterness that we choose to put on ourselves, and it drains us. Turn to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, this is the last place that we'll go to. Matthew chapter 18. And I'm not just saying this. This is probably, to me, my favorite account, um, maybe even one of my favorite parables. I don't know if I go that far, but my favorite account when it comes to forgiveness for one of the illustrations that Jesus gives, and it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. Matthew 18, verse 23, it says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. Verse 24. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, today, that would be equivalent to $1,400,116.57. That's how much he owed this guy. Verse 25, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children, all that he had in payment to be made. 
The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of his servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. That is equivalent to one dollar today. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. Now, maybe he was really hungry. Maybe he saw something in the vending machine that he really wanted. He could, but uh, he wanted one dollar. He's grabbing this guy by the throat for a dollar. And don't forget, this is the guy that just got forgiven for his $1.4 million um, debt. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on my fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? After his Lord was, was wroth, delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your heart forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. Man, someone that, and to me it's like, man, if, if I owed someone $1.4 million and they said don't worry about it, I would have been jumping for joy. Uh, but this guy immediately goes and finds someone then owes him a dollar and says pay me everything that you owe me. And, it's, and then when he says, you know, have patience with me, the same phrase that he had just said to the other person, throws him into prison. And uh, can I remind us tonight that we ourselves owe a great debt, and our debt has been paid. Our forgiveness to others is not based on them deserving it, but rather on Jesus, uh, on the mere fact that Jesus has forgiven us. Maybe there's someone tonight that you have a little bit of bitterness towards Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a family member. And can I just say this? Um, where, where there's people, there's problems. There's always going to be problems, okay? And sometimes I, I like a smaller group because when there's a smaller, smaller group of people, there's a smaller group of problems. But when we, when we start to have that mentality of someone offended me, they start, we start to have that, that attitude of entitlement, of I, I believe that I'm right, they're wrong, they need to say sorry. Can I just say from personal experience, um, I have a family member that uh, as literally has said, I won't forgive you until you say sorry for this. Now, Kill, did you say sorry? Yes, but it was like, really? You're only gonna forgive me if I say sorry. And then I brought him to this passage and he said, Kill, you really did that? I did, and I probably shouldn't have done that. But I said to him, I was like, okay, I'm sorry. And I said, so your forgiveness was based on what I, how I, if I said sorry to you. I said, that's not how forgiveness works. And uh, but maybe there's someone in your family that you have some bitterness towards. Maybe you just have a bad spirit towards them. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a boss. Fill in the blank. But we have to have the mentality of let's forgive others like Christ has forgiven us. Here's, here's the conclusion. I'm done. How's our report cards doing tonight on those, those three areas? How are you handling your sin? Do you have a no-care attitude towards it? Or maybe it's, uh, it's not that big of a deal. Or do we fear sin? Do we fear what sin can do to us? Do we, do we look at it as, as Eve looked at it and says, I, you know, we shouldn't even touch it, not, not, even, not even eat of it, don't even touch it, 
lest we're going to die. And, and you know the story, and Satan kind of brought it to her, and the serpent and says, oh, look, you, you didn't die. Well, eventually it did. And that's what sin eventually does. You don't get punishment. You don't die right then. Uh, a spiritual death, it happens down the road. Are we realizing that our sin does, does what it does to our God and those around us? And if we think about how the sin, we, we look at it, how it's just, it's disgusting. And, and uh, we're, um, when, we, we, when we have sin in our lives, we are completely disgusting in the eyes of God. That's what our sin does to him makes them sick. I think we'll look at sin a little bit different. How are we doing in the area of our trials? Are we asking God, what is, why is this happening to me again? Or are we asking him to help us learn from what he's trying to teach us, what he's trying to bring us through? How's our report card in the area of dealing with people? And I tell you what, there are some, you know, as we've said before, some, pretty pe- some people out there that are just tough to get along with. And uh, maybe it's a church member, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a family member we've already talked about. But you say, I cannot forgive them back to what we just talked about. Can't forgive them? Don't forget about what's been forgiven of you. He paid a debt he did not own. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away, and now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. My Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. He paid the debt he did not own. He cleansed my soul, and he set me free. My Father, Jesus, washes my sins away, and now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. My Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. One day he is coming for me to live with him eternally. What will be the glory to see him on that day? And I will sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. My Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Three Fs that we should have in a report card. Fear, faith, and forgiveness. And there could be a whole lot more that we could talk about. But just how are you doing in those three areas tonight? I believe that if we all gave ourselves an honest report card, I don't think anybody would ever give us an A or you give yourself an A on any of these things, but let's work towards that. Let's work towards getting a better grade on these areas in our life. And I wanna just challenge you uh, as well that uh, when it comes to people, um, and as I've said before, how you, show, how you love people, how you forgive people, uh, is how, how God's gonna love and forgive you. Let's pray, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for it once again. Uh, another opportunity to stand before your people. God, I pray that your word would not return void tonight. God, I pray that um, you touch hearts that only you can touch. And God, I pray for those that have come tonight with a heavy, weary heart, maybe just tired from the things that are uh, going on in the workplace or things in life that's beating them up, maybe some ailments or some sickness in their life or a loved one that's going through something. God, I pray that you would encourage them and that you would comfort them only like you can. And God, I pray that in just these three areas that you would help us encourage us to and uh, challenge us to fear sin. Look at sin like you look at it. God, I pray that our faith would grow stronger each and every day through the things that you bring uh, our way and that we would accept them and we would uh, just depend fully upon you. And God, I pray you help us in the area of forgiveness tonight. Lord, I ask you uh, that you would just once again bless all those that made it out tonight. And God, I pray that you protect uh, those traveling this, this week and bring us safely back to your house on Sunday. Lord, we ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.